My name is Catherine Ann Byam, and I'm the host of Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the sustainable innovator. COP26 is a moment in time that we will remember as either the time that we turned the world around for the good, or the moment, the last chance that we had to make a difference. COP26 has four goals. Secure global net zero by mid-century and keep 1.5 degrees within reach. Adapt to protect communities and natural habitats. Mobilize finance and work together to deliver. Let's see what the initiatives of COP26 will have in store for all of us. Today, my guest is Mark Wheatley, Head of Channel Sales at Full Power Utilities, an energy consultancy focused on helping SMEs reduce their energy costs and begin their journey to net zero. Mark has been involved in the energy industry since 2014 and has led the development of Full Power's future net zero service offering. Mark, welcome to Where Ideas Launch. Hi, Catherine. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. Wonderful to have you. Is There seems to be an urgency building around net zero and actions to speed up our transition across the UK. What has prompted this in your view? So I think there's a number of things in play here. And, um, you know, I talk to my friends and colleagues about this topic quite often. And I always refer to the David Attenborough effect. So, you know, there's been a number of documentaries put out um, on mainstream media, on the, you know, on TV that we're all consuming now. And it's really starting to hit home to the general public what we're doing to the planet and the fact that we need to take action and do our bit to preserve our future, essentially. So I think that, you know, these documentaries, bringing it to the fore and general public is really having an impact. So first of all, I would say that. And by the way, if you haven't already checked out the documentary called Breaking Boundaries, I certainly would watch it. It's, uh, it's quite scary. Uh, in addition to that, severe global weather events, of course, there's been a lot of them happening over the last couple of years. I've actually got a couple of friends that live out in Australia and they were caught up in the huge wildfires that happened um, just over 18 months ago. So I think that's really starting to hit home as well. Bringing it into sort of my domain within the energy sector, I think the advent of or, or development of technology within the energy sector is actually making the ability for us to make a change a lot, lot easier. So to give you an idea, the, the cost of solar energy generation has fallen by about 75% in the last 10 years. And for wind generation, it's fallen by about 25%. So that sort of old conversation of renewable energy costs too much, that's disappearing. So I think we, we no longer have that excuse in certain areas. So that's forcing change as well. And then, of course, um, the report that was recently put out by the IPCC, I think that really hit home for a lot of people as to how we're warming the planet at a much faster rate than, than we realise. And action is absolutely needed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think these are really critical points. I wanted to, to kind of explore what the UK government is doing to fuel the change for energy providers. Yes. So, I mean, first of all, we'll probably start with the energy white paper that was, was published um, late last year. So that's the government's sort of plan. That's them setting out what they plan to do within the energy industry over the next uh, couple of decades. And there's some big commitments in there that the, the government have put out. Um, so first of all, you know, they've, they've committed to creating over 200,000 jobs in what they've called the greener economy. So and that's over the next decade. So that's to do with areas such as power generation. So, you know, how we you know, produce the electricity that we consume. 
Um, hydrogen technology is a big, big topic, which I'll, I'll come into in a bit more detail in just a minute. Uh, and things like green retrofits. So looking at the old buildings that, that, that we live in and that we use for work and retrofitting them to make them more energy efficient. Um, so yeah, lots of stuff in the energy white paper. Um, also to do with you know electrifying transports. So changing public transport, moving away from the ICE vehicles, in, um, internal combustion engine vehicles as they're, they're known to electric vehicles. We're starting to see that happen uh, across the country. Um, but within all of this, the government also had to make sure that the cost of energy for consumers is kept as low as possible. So one of the things that they're focusing on is um, that they want to make it easier for consumers, be it um, commercial consumers or domestic consumers, to find the best deal available on the market and switch more effectively. And within the industry, we've seen Ofgem making plans for this. So they're looking at forcing policy and regulation onto suppliers to allow customers to switch energy suppliers a lot quicker. And that's the government's attempt and Ofgem's attempt to try and uh, get around this concern that a switch to a renewable energy product is going to cost more. So there's, there's, there's sort of plans outlined within the, uh, the white paper around that as well. Big, big plans into or commitments with regards to electricity generation. So the UK government have committed that by um, 2050, electricity generation will be emission free. Now, that, that's a big, big ask. Now, as you, as you mentioned at the beginning, I've been in the industry since 2014. And I remember when I first entered, entered the energy game, I was helping small business owners with their energy procurements. And I would say most, probably about 80, 90% of the products that we were being quoted by the energy suppliers were what, what I term brown energy. So this is energy products from fossil fuels. And occasionally back then, you know, a few years back, I'd be asked by a, a prospect or a client, you know, can we take a look at renewable products? You know, what's the price differential there? And there was a big price difference. You know, if you wanted a green or renewable energy product, you were paying a premium and quite a substantial one. Now that has changed completely. So most of the energy suppliers that we work with, they quote um, electricity products from a renewable source as standard. So, so we no longer have to ask for it. And there is no price difference between a brown energy product, as I called it, and a, and a green energy product. So, so there's been a big, big shift. And whilst that is a big commitment from the UK government to be, you know, to have electricity completely emission-free by 2050, it, it is plausible, especially with the investment in solar uh, and wind generation. Um, yeah, I mean, to add on to that, well, to continue with that, really, continued investment in offshore wind generation is, is a big, big thing, and the government are, have set aside a lot of money for that. Also, investment and financing options for nuclear energy. Um, you know, there's discussions with EDF at the moment to um, develop a new nuclear power plant, which would generate a lot of power for the, for the UK population. So in addition to that, some suppliers have been reacting already. To, to some of these commitments. So to give you an example, SSE, one of the UK's biggest energy suppliers, sold off its domestic energy arm uh, a couple of years ago to focus on renewable products. So SSE as a company, they saw the writing on the wall, they knew that you know, this policy was coming in and they made a move pretty early and they are investing a lot of their time and money into renewable products and projects. So, yeah, we're already seeing big moves by some of the big energy suppliers um, in the UK. I have two questions. One is around um, 
other sources. So I think there's still a lot of risk to people um, with nuclear and the management of nuclear plants, etc. And some of the other methods still create waste, right? So when we look into the whole scheme of things, curious about things like geothermal and hydroelectric, like are these at all possible where we are? Yeah, so it's an interesting topic, actually, because um, when, when I talk to clients, when I talk to prospects and, and stakeholders, I talk about green energy and renewable energy, and I see them as two different things. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the definitions are open to opinion, so people have different opinions on, on what they mean. But a renewable product or a renewable um, energy product or source is not necessarily great for the environment. So you could argue that hydropower is a very clean source of electricity, but in order to create it, you have to you have to build, you have to flood habit- habitats and so on across the world. And that seems quite detrimental to the to the natural world. So there are opinions on that um, within the UK. I'll be completely honest. I'm not too sure of the scope of hydro pro- um, projects. Um, very much the UK government is focused on offshore wind. That's that's where they see the, the future of electricity generation coming from. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to see how all of this will shape up, because I think that the biggest challenge that we face right now is that it's so complex. We've waited so long that actually decision-making has become even more complex. It's not like we can go in small stages. We kind of have to rethink everything all at once. But when you want to rethink everything all at once, you need everyone to be coordinated and that doesn't necessarily work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the the net zero targets put in place by the UK government are are very, very challenging. Um, You know, 2050 seems a long way off. Um, It's not really. And the 2030 interim target is actually the crucial one. It's, it's the next nine, what, eight and a half years now that, that really is the, the crucial time. And there needs to be huge, huge changes in the way that we consume and produce electricity and, 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 and gas, of course, which is going to be phased out in certain areas uh, in the coming years. Great. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit about what Full Power is doing at the moment to help SMEs with better energy management, because I think that, you know, this is something that we're, we've become more aware of. We want to get our teeth into, but we don't necessarily know what's the best tack to take. Yeah, absolutely. Our focus um, is on the SME space in the UK. So Full Power have been going since 1997. That's when you know, the UK energy market began deregulation. And we, we've been completely focused on the SME space because we feel it's those business owners that need advice. They're the ones that are busy running their businesses, um, trying to, you know, they wear many hats, right? An SME owner is the marketing manager, the finance manager, the HR manager, everything else. So we're there to hold their hand and help them through the maze that is the UK energy market. And whilst at the moment, UK legislation around net zero is only really focused on on larger companies. So for example, SECR, the Streamline Energy Carbon Reporting legislation only impacts the larger companies. We are starting to see and hear the impacts of that flowing down the food chain and affecting SMEs. So to give you an example, um, we work with a company that produces chicken feed of all things. Now their product is is supplied into a supply chain uh, and the products work their way up to these large companies. So household names like Tesco, Asda, and so on and so on. Now, those large companies are bound by legislation and they're being told to report on their carbon emissions. And they're going as far as reporting on their scope three emissions, which then looks to their supply chain. 
So these SMEs now are being asked by their customers, um, what are you doing about your carbon emissions? What action are you taking? And of course, unfortunately, most SMEs are not overly sure what they're doing at this point and, and not taking action. And in fact, a recent report suggested that um, only one in 10 SMEs actually have a carbon reporting plan. So they're actually focusing on their emissions. And even 22% of SMEs uh, don't even understand the meaning of net zero. So there's a huge amount of work to be done. And what we're trying to do is to educate SMEs about net zero, what it means, how it impacts them, how it impacts their stakeholders, and to get them started on their journey, because it's a completely overwhelming area. As a, as a small business owner, as I said, you're wearing many, many hats. This is a new um, hurdle that's being thrown at you, and you've got to educate yourself about what it means and how it impacts you. So we're there to try and um, demystify all of that and, uh, and make it much more simple. Okay, so as I said, SMEs can be affected by the net zero targets in, in many, many ways. So first of all, um, your customers, as we've just touched on, may be requiring you to take action. And you know, if you're not going to take action, you, you may face the threat of losing customers. So that's immediately going to impact your bottom line, your revenue. So, um, th and there's always this, there seems to be this um, assumption that to take action um, and to reduce your carbon emissions is going to cost uh, a business money. They're going to have to invest to reduce their, their, their carbon emissions. Well, actually, if you don't take action, it's going to cost you a bit, potentially in another way. You're, you're going to lose revenue. So there's that. There's also the um, impact or pressure, sorry, pressure from your employees. So if you are a company that's trying to attract the new talent that's entering into the marketplace, the younger talent that's out there um, leaving education, going into, in, into the marketplace for work, they're a lot more attuned to sustainability topics and our impact on the environment. And I think it's fair to say that certain individuals will look to companies and what they're doing with regards to their, their carbon emissions and their, their, their strategy before they choose to work for a company. So it's going to impact your ability to attract talent. And then finally, um, there's the topic of um, obtaining finance. So let's say you're a small business owner, you're looking to grow your company, perhaps invest in some machinery or some new, um, new resource. You go to the bank and you ask for a 30,000 pound loan. The banking institutions are now asking small businesses what they're doing with regards to their carbon reporting plan, their emissions, um, before they offer financial products. Now, it's not necessarily at this stage stopping businesses from accessing those financial products, but it is impacting the rates they pay. So if you can prove to your bank that you are, you have an action plan, you're reporting um, on your activities, chances are you're going to get a more favorable rate on your, your business finance. So it's having a big impact and that's where we can help businesses through our carbon reporting platform, start to report their carbon emissions through their activities, uh, and what we suggest is we say, you know, let, let's start with scope one and scope two emissions. Let's keep it quite simple to begin with. So for those listeners that aren't aware, scope one emissions um, focus on your direct carbon emissions based on your, your direct activities. So um, that includes, for example, your fleet of company vehicles, if you have them. So 
how much carbon am I emitting through my company travel? You've then got scope two emissions, which is essentially your energy consumption. So your carbon emissions related to your electricity and gas uh, consumption and how much of that, uh, you know, that, that is greatly affected by whether you're on a renewable product or, or, or not. Um, so we say, keep it simple, start with scope one, scope two, and as you find your feet, then start to look into, into scope three. And through our carbon reporting platform, we make that process very, very easy. Um, now, Catherine, I, I wasn't sure if we've touched on this before, but there is a second stage, well, there's two stages, uh, two extra stages to this process. So it's all very good and well re recording your carbon emissions, but there is nothing stopping you as a small business owner from uh, manipulating that data and making it look as if you're doing something better than what you actually are. That's a phrase we know as, as greenwashing. So what we encourage business owners to do is to then report their carbon data to a third party. Now, we work with an organization called the Future Net Zero Standard. They are a third party auditing body that takes the carbon data from the small business owner once a year, audits it and make sure that it's actually true and fair so that there's no um, greenwashing going on. Now, we think that is one of the most crucial stages in this because it just it, it sort of justifies what you're doing as a small business and it recognizes your, your, your progress. So what the Future Net Zero Standard does is they reward you or recognize your carbon reduction through a series of accreditations. And you can take that accreditation and then use that in your, your marketing, your PR work, and tell your stakeholders that you're taking action and you're making progress. So we think that's a very crucial step in, in the process. Yeah. And, then, and then finally, so you've reported your carbon emissions, sorry, you've recorded your carbon emissions, you've reported it, you now need to reduce it. And that's where we come in as full power utilities. We help business owners reduce their carbon emissions through green energy procurement, through energy efficiency measures, such as solar installations, LED lighting retrofits, um, and also we help with EV fleet migration. So we've kind of put together the entire package and we think that it simplifies the whole process for SMEs. It sounds really, really wonderful and like a great opportunity for SMEs to jump on this. What are your thoughts though on possible outcomes of COP26 and how this might impact current plans? I mean, if we're not doing anything now, we still have to start somewhere. So I think whatever we're doing is great. But I do get the sense that COP26 might, might bring an even more aggressive timeline. What are your thoughts? Absolutely agree with you. I think that as an event, it's there's going to be the most radical changes in policy that, that we've seen to date. I think coming off the back of the IPCC reports um, and some of the, the, the weather events we've had recently, pressures are, is growing from the global community. And I think there's going to be some radical policy changes. So... I'm going to be watching it with a keen eye. Um, in terms of actual outcomes, so you know specific policies, I'm not entirely sure, but I do believe that there's going to be um, additional pressure placed on larger companies. So those that are currently uh, affected by the SECR legislation, I think that's going to be tightened up, and I think there's going to be more requirements placed on those companies to take action. So they're currently required to report but I think there might be some additional um, yeah, pressure applied to them to actually take action on their carbon reduction uh, strategies. 
In addition to that, um, I think that that requirement of reporting is going to move down the food chain. So I think perhaps that medium-sized companies will, will be asked to report on their carbon emissions soon. So it won't be a case of we'll do it because our stakeholders are pressurising us. It's a case of we've got to do it because we're being told by the UK government. So I think that's potentially going to happen as well. Um, and finally, I think there might be some kind of um, some form of carbon tax introduced. So th this has been mooted a few times in the past, and I think perhaps a carbon tax is going to be levied on certain products and services. So perhaps any even more tax applied to your energy consumption. So I, I'm not sure if you're aware, Catherine, but um, when you consume electricity um, at home, you automatically have, and businesses, you automatically have a charge applied called CCL, which is the climate change levy. Now that increases year on year by a very small amount. Um, so I think at the moment it's about 0.8 of a penny for, for each unit of electricity you consume. That will continue to increase, no, no question, but I think perhaps there might maybe additional sort of levies brought into your energy consumption just to encourage you to a consume less and, and b go to a renewable product yeah scary but at the same time important so it, it's it's in a way exciting but we do need to to be mindful of of how we how we execute tell my listeners how they can get in touch with full power the, the easiest way of course is our website which is fullpowerutilities.com and be careful how to spell utilities most people always leave out one of the eyes there um I'm also very, very active on LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, I've, I've published a number of articles around the topic of net zero. Um, so please find me, Mark Wheatley, and that's spelt with a C, so Mark with a C. Um, please do connect with me and uh, happy to start a conversation. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining the show, Mark. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Season four of Where Ideas Launch was brought to you today by Catherine Ann Byam, Business Resilience and Strategy Consulting Services. Catherine provides business assessments and strategic support to help guide your business toward a net zero future. Get in touch with Catherine Ann Byam on LinkedIn.